Hello, everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week, we bring business people together to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm here and joined with my co-host and BCF best cannabis friend, Adriana Hemans, who's joining us today from Massachusetts. Welcome, mm -hmm. Adriana. Hi, David. Thank you. Thank you for that intro. Did we catch you by surprise a little bit there at the beginning? We probably should mention, we I don't think we've ever talked about this, but we also do um, stream this show on Clubhouse too. So if you're ever just in the mood to be on Clubhouse instead of LinkedIn, you can still listen to Branding Bud Live. That's right. And you could always find the repeats there and replays there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know Clubhouse was like a lifesaver for a lot of people at a certain point. It seems like it's kind of fallen off, but there's still some diehard people on there. Uh, you probably noticed that my background looks a little like another boring hotel room. And that's because I'm in Massachusetts, not for a boring reason, but because I'm here on site with Green Meadows, my new employer. They're an uh, organic premium brand based in Western Mass. Um, and so I snuck out to my hotel room to do our live stream. Awesome. I also want to say for anyone who's joining us and who's listening in or watching on LinkedIn, please feel free to say hi in the chat. We want to know who you are and where you're based. And yeah, just say hi. Don't be shy. That's right. And uh, so you're on the you're on the East Coast uh, this week and yeah. our guests are, uh, are as well. So uh, it's pretty interesting. We've got usually we have folks from all over the place. Um, and they should be chatting in right about now. So feel free, <laughs> so feel free to join in and uh, introduce yourself, say where you're from, and uh, we're excited. But um, today we've got uh, a really interesting show. You know, we're really talking about the, the intersection of art and design um, and cannabis. And uh, we've got um, two great guests. They're the founders of a company called Sackville & Co. And Sackville & Co. Um, really focuses on cannabis designs, but you know, through apparel, through accessories, or rather through accessories, uh, smoking accessories, and other uh, types of tabletop accessories. So I'm super excited to chat with them. Um, and we're going to talk about things specifically like how can design play a role in shaping the cannabis industry? And in what ways has aesthetics of cannabis and cannabis accessories um, changed over over the years? And, and you know, um, now, now there's more of a push toward uh, upscale and high-end design versus the hippie and uh, tie-dyed look. So we're going to talk through that a little bit. And what role does storytelling play in cannabis branding? And, and how can that uh, educate um, you know, consumers and, uh, and others you know, through, uh, through design? So we're going to talk through all of that. I'm super excited. Yeah, um, super interesting. And I want to say hi to Tara, who is in Los Angeles and says, I bet the weather on the East Coast is better than here in LA. And hi to JR who says, hi, David and Adriana. So excited to be watching. Thank you both of you for joining us. Hey, JR. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to, to introduce Lana and Haley. Um, should we bring them out? Let's do it. Let's do it. That's what I'm saying. Hi. Hi, hi welcome. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hi, happy welcome to be here. Live. Yeah. Yeah, intro song back. Since we're all like so spread out, maybe we could start off. Uh, let us know where you you all are dialing in from. I'm I'm curious, and then yeah. we'd like to hear more about the vision of of Sackville and Co. Yes, I'm in Brooklyn. I don't know if anyone's watching from Brooklyn, but <laughs> <laughs> in the house. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm in Toronto right now, um, but the company's based in Brooklyn. Right on. Well, yeah. Holding it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, I always got the vibe that that Sakhalinka was from New York. I don't know why, but I just... <laughs> a little, yeah. Just got that sense. Yeah, there's a little grit to it. Maybe I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we started the brand in 2018 in New York. And I think that was definitely a big part of our ethos is trying to bring more of that uh, New York essence into yeah. cannabis branding because obviously the West Coast had played such a huge role in the branding elements in cannabis as being like the major legal state. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, nothing was coming out of New York for sure when, when we started. So it's really cool to see it everyone's hyped on New York and we've kind of had a chance to like have our own voice in it all. It's been really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you did ask me a question, didn't you? How the hell, what the hell we're <laughs> doing and how it started. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so Haley and I started Sackville and Co in 2018 and it really just came from, uh, we started talking about it in 2017 and kind of to paint, remind everyone that, the world of cannabis has exponentially grown in 2017. Like Vogue was not writing about weed. It was a very different landscape. So we, we started to realize with all of the interest and exciting things that were happening in cannabis that nobody was redesigning the experience of cannabis. There was a lot of effort and impact on the modalities of how we were using cannabis and, you know, genetics and how much THC you can get in and how quickly and all of those things. And it just wasn't, nobody was really considering it as this CPG good that would exist kind of the same as alcohol and be able to be integrated into social life and society and retail and all of the things that we kind of pictured it as. So Haley has an incredible um, product and fashion design background. And I've worked in um, advertising, marketing and branding for my whole career. So we realized really quickly that we actually could just do this. So we started with the signature grinder and then we built up from there. Um, and then in 2020, we started our private label agency, Sackville Studios. So we actually do tons of private label for a lot of the cannabis brands you know and love. We're actually the little secret design um, and production behind their ancillary merchandise apparel, kind of anything that doesn't touch the plant. Hmm. Very cool. I didn't know that either. Um, Tell me, tell me more about the name. Where'd the name come from? Yeah, so kind of harking back to what Lana said in 2018, it was a different landscape where a lot of the brands that we were seeing come to the space really focused on kind of past uh, colloquial secret words for cannabis, whether it was like, not secret, but like grass or the green or the this that really nodded towards um the way that we used to talk about cannabis, or obviously we still do in some ways. And we really wanted to create a name that had no connotation to it so that it really didn't have any stigma at all attached to it and that people could see the brand and not automatically have an association either way. And then that way we felt that they could look into it, get to know the brand, have more interest without automatically having this preconceived notion of what the brand was, what it represented to them because of the history of cannabis. So we really wanted to have that sort of blank slate of a name, which is where Sackville came from. 
Cool. When I first heard the name, I was like, oh, is Sackville a place? Is this like uh, either an imaginary place or a real place where where cannabis has like a different status? Yeah. I mean, oh, well, I love that. But. Yeah. It's actually technically a place, but they're not just like, it's not for a stoner haven. Yeah. It's funny because since we've launched the brand and these definitely aren't the reasons why the name is what it is, but we've found out that there was like a Victorian gardener who was yes. in the Victorian era who was named Sackville and like all of these things that people bring to us and they're like, oh, is this where it came from? And we're like, no, it's just a word that we liked and we felt that there was like zero connotation to it and we could build the story to it without it having any sort of like automatic attachment to people. Mm -hmm. And what are we looking at here on this slot, these images? Three of our lovely goods, which um, the one on the very left is our uh, signature grinder. So that's actually the first product we launched with when we launched in 2018. We were like, let's test it out. Let's see if this idea has any legs. And we started with the signature grinder. And the idea was really to reconceptualize the way a grinder could look so that it could sit out on your coffee table, it could be on your mantle, it could be a piece that really integrated with other home good accessories in your space without feeling out of place or like something you would be um, ashamed or have some sort of feeling about having out. So that's our signature grinder. Then the carry case there is honestly the best utility product <laughs> because it is a completely smell proof, airtight, waterproof joint case. So you can clip it to your bag, your wallet, your pants and carry a joint around anywhere you're going. Um, known being the wiser. So great for festivals and just generally being out and about. Mm -hmm. And then finally, <laughs> this is our um, New York mug. We did this collection. When did we launch Atlanta? Was it September? I mean, I yeah, I think it was end, end of last year. Yeah, and it was, we called the collection Greetings from New York, and it really was an ode to celebrating New York as such a pinnacle place um, for cannabis culture. And so we took a lot of iconic uh, pieces, like obviously the iconic New York uh, coffee, coffee cup, mm -hmm. and we kind of reinvented it in our own way to take a spin on it. That's very cool. You know, it's it's funny because even though I live in Seattle now, I am a New Yorker. I grew up in New York. I'm totally a New Yorker. And this saying is true. You know, you could take the, the boy out of New York, but you can't take New York. Yeah. Out. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, and that's why I relate to these things. One of the things, just as a quick side note, um, coming back to New York after the pandemic and having gone to a lot of the, um, I want to call them dispensaries, I'll call them um what do I want to call them, sort of consumption lounges, for lack of a better word. Um, uh, you know, and walking in and seeing all the California brands that I know from the West Coast in New York in these underground consumption yeah. lounges, um, it, was just, it was just interesting to see that. So to see what you're doing and to see, you know, a slice of New York, if you will, um, mm -hmm you know, a New York side of cannabis or, or a New York experience of cannabis yeah, is wonderful. I mean, I can't, I probably shouldn't say this. I can't tell you how many times I've hung out in Washington Square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Me that actual Mecca. Someone wrote the Mecca. Washington Square Park is like 420 every day. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> so, crazy. Yeah. I went to the School of Design a few blocks north. Oh, of yeah. 
lunch every day was was there. Yeah, I mean, definitely the ethos of New York, like everyone knows it, it's just different. And of course, New York cannabis, New York brands, everything have to be different. Like it just reflects a different sense. You know, we don't have, we're not rooted in, I think what California branding really started of this very wellness kind of like slow down and smoke this kind of, um, I guess it is just wellness is the word I'm looking for, <laughs> but you know, the, yeah, the like outdoorsy, yeah. Yes. Yes. The vibe of, of California cannabis, you know, with New York being a lot more like fuck it, smoke some weed. Like this is, <laughs> this is just weed. Let's, you know, like this is, ha- this is a part of the culture. It's a part of our day. It's a part of everything that we're like storming the streets doing. So um, yeah, it's really cool to, that people are into it. California is like, slow down and smoke. And you're yeah, like, hurry right. up and do it fast. Because we have stuff to do. All right. <laughs> so yeah. those designs you showed were really cool and really interesting. And, and I want to hear both of your thoughts on how design, designers, um, people that are doing innovative things with either uh, making things from a utilitarian purpose or just from an aesthetic person, how is that influencing cannabis culture in general? Who wants to take a stab? Okay, I will start. I I think basically the concept of design and cannabis has been separated. Like any other industry, any CPG good, anything you have, design is at the forefront of the conception of the product, the brand, anything, right? Like ultimately it, it follows traditional marketing roots where you have to really understand your consumer and you have to design a brand that has a through line across every single touch point that communicates exactly to your customer what you want them to know about your brand, your ethos, the story, the lifestyle, everything. But cannabis, because it was in this illicit market, has been separated, I think, from those just standard practices that all other industries have, I guess, the luxury of being able to access you know, support tools and agencies and everything of the like that just know how to build and and, um, run those types of brands. So to us, it's never been a question of separation. Like this is a a very weird blip in time where it's separated and there's these, you know, partial illicit and partial legal markets and all of this stuff. But they, for us, it has to go hand in hand, like from utility design is utility like you can't have one without the other you can't have something that's beautiful that doesn't work and you can't have something that like people are embarrassed to have but like works great it's yeah. not nobody wants to throw you know keep the dusty shoe box under their couch with their like weed stuff in it like you want to be able to step into your adulthood and be able to express the things that you love and express the things you enjoy so for us it's like the whole industry i think will come up with that there's obviously a few brands that are really leading the charge on um that's that whole concept that utility design and branding are all kind of one piece um so we've we always think that and it's so exciting to see brands come to the table and of course like we get the have the luxury of also working with those brands on their design so we have our hearts in a lot of brands and that whole design utility, all of that is a part of the way that we support them as well. Right, that's cool. Uh, Haley, would you would you share with us, you, you know, who are those brands? Or not who are those brands, 
what brands are getting it right is a, is a better way to ask the question. I think there's a lot of really exciting things happening in the cannabis space in terms of branding and design. And I think one of the biggest things is um, really what design is, is bringing different perspectives to the table. So it's allowing people to see the storytelling in this through line, like Lana was saying. <clears throat> I think some examples of brands that are just absolutely killing it. We love what like Drew Martin is doing. They do um, herbal blend joints and you can see through their packaging and all of their touch points, this really beautiful artful way of showcasing um, design to really tell the story of what the experience will be. So if you look at their patterning on their um, on their packaging, you can really get a sense for the end product feeling that you're going to get at the end of it. And I think that's a really important thing because so many people coming into the cannabis space are so new to being able to discern product. So, you know, you walk into a store you don't know how to communicate what you're looking for or even um, know exactly the lingo that's on the packaging to understand the experience that you're looking to get. And I think that design plays such a key role in that in really showcasing for people, okay, I can see through this visual touch point the vibe of this and I can start to engage with that. And I think another great example is like Rose Los Angeles Edibles. Um, they do a great job of really through their packaging, you get the sense that they are very elevated farm to table, like foodie culture experience in, in an edible because of the way that they're storytelling, storytelling through their packaging, through their branding, through their, even their like design language, um, in digital assets. It's very clear the experience that you'll get at the end. And I think that's important for customers to really understand what's, what they're engaging with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. JR agrees with you too. <laughs> he said, I agree 100% design and utility is an important balance in order to be functional. Uh, and then we have a question. What is the name of the brand Haley just mentioned? This is from Luke. Rose Los Angeles. Rose. Was it Drew Martin or Rose, oh, Rose. Los Angeles? Delights. Rose Delights. I'm going to even put that in here. They are delicious. The, <laughs> the Delights are literally like these Turkish delights. Little Turkish delights. Yeah. Beautifully <laughs> so done. Yeah. And I they're kind of like, look at it. It's just from, you know, even like the compostable uh, shipping boxes to the actual jars and everything. Like they do a really thoughtful job of communicating through through packaging design. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan does a great job. Yeah. And I love what you said a minute ago about using design or accessories to step into adulthood. Do you feel like accessories have become more adult? Have they evolved in that way? Yes, like hands down. I think that we all have, you know, the, the general assortment of the head shop was like narrowed in for a for a college age boy. Like that's like what the whole demographic was. There really wasn't an expression of like different ages, different uh, genders, different style, anything like that. It was very, very narrow. So I think that now we're seeing, as Haley said, different perspectives are able to come to the table where, you know, we did recently um, a talk series in partnership with New York Now, which is a big retail trade show outside of cannabis. 
And that's really exciting because obviously it's like how these accessories are stepping into the new market and what this will look like beyond legalization and how these brands are really going to start speaking to a can of conscious consumer. And we had the opportunity to speak like shockingly, so many women like age 60 and up, you know, like beautifully dressed Park Avenue women are like smoking. They're interested in, in wanting to learn more. They want to have their friends over and smoke a joint or you know those types of expressions were never considered in the original array of accessories so i think now you can buy things that match your in simplicity your home like where you can you know whatever your style is and you can have it something like again we we try to make things that would look beautiful on your coffee table or on your mantle or on your bar cart and it's not something that immediately like you know has a big neon green pot leaf on it and you're like oh this is <laughs> like, just, you know they have they have matured for sure and there's still really fun ways to have matured products like it can still be a really um engaged and like curious and fun exploration of design and branding and like collabs and all that kind of stuff but i think that everything needed to come up there's still a space for you know a crazy yeah. <laughs> pipe or whatever obviously we love it but yes. it doesn't reflect the the many many types of users that exist especially with a legal market opening up yeah my husband makes fun of me because i like put all of our jars of weed and accessories and everything like away in a drawer when people come over and he's like, our friends know we smoke weed. You don't need to hide everything. And I'm like, I just don't like the way it looks. I want it to be. Yeah. We're here aspect. to solve that problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to, uh, if you don't mind, David, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, is it okay if I ask this question from Katrina? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. How do you navigate the state to state regulations with branding in states like Florida and New Mexico where images are not allowed while maintaining brand consistency? Thanks for your question. Yes, we I was going to say we are not plant touching. So that's a, obviously a huge differentiator is that um, everything we do is in the ancillary space or um, in the merchandise space. So we have obviously are lucky in that way. We also work with a ton of different brands that do operate in those markets and are plant touching. And it is challenging. I won't lie to you. Like we yeah. essentially have to create two different, um, two different design options, one for uh, states that are much more regulated and another one for states that are less regulated. So it may have the same like color story and have notes that are similar in terms of like the design feel, but we have to basically create two different options for those two, um, for those two kind of regulatory bodies. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to ask a question, which I is, is really off in the weeds, but, um, having been in New York, um, as I said earlier, in the 80s and 90s, I owned an art gallery in the East Village in Soho um, and went to many of the shows like Accent on Design and uh, a lot of the tabletop accessory design shows, the International Contemporary Furniture Fair, um, those types of things. And I see a place for your um, your uh, products there. Are, are, are those, or is the design world open to, you know, to cannabis accessories, right? Yeah. 
Yes, it's actually really exciting. Again, I wish we could drop some of these names right now. We're working with a few clients that are, you know, high-end fashion and design brands. Like everyone is really interested in stepping into, I think, like I was saying earlier, what, how are they going to speak to that kind of can of conscious consumer where every brand has in some form, whether it's just in their marketing materials or the way that they communicate, like allowed for um, the conversation in terms of how people have a social life or nightlife or anything. And obviously that's been surrounded around alcohol. So I think brands are shifting what that looks like to include cannabis. And, you know, we obviously like even in the last year, like we've been, um, our stockists, like from, you know, the standard across a bunch of their countries, um, uh, Brooklyn Museum, like those kind of places are interested in starting to carry these products. So I'm sure the wave is absolutely going to continue. And I think there's also going to be um, another level above of that, like, much higher end space as well because i think that especially when you can make much smaller quantities and really express like in an art way like galleries and you know where they can take on a piece or something i'm sure that those worlds are going to start to merge a lot more mm, very cool yeah i want to see that uh should we jump into an audience participation what do you think let's since we're on the topic of art and design and consumers and where they're going to find design-centric items. So this stat comes to us from Brightfield. They survey consumers every quarter, thousands of consumers, um, and ask them all sorts of questions about their lifestyle and also, of course, their consumption habits. So this question is consumers with an artistic hobby. A couple of examples would be painting or photography are more likely to consume which form of cannabis? Is it A, flour, B, gummies, C, pre-rolls, or D, chocolates? Throw your guess in the chat. That's right. Audience, it's your chance to shine. <laughs> I wait each week just to say, audience, it's... Yeah, it's part of the pot. Very, like, phone a friend. Yeah. Like we need like the soundtrack. <laughs> we should do like an elimination and sort of yeah, like, yeah, now, like as the countdown. Do and if you get it wrong, you'll be kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Yeah, it is flower. We, I don't actually. I, in my head, it's like on a weekly basis, all of those, like depending <laughs> on your vibe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or E, all of the above, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. We need How, much how intense is your artist block your creative block right <laughs> we have ooh, a lot of guesses for a allison guest a jr guest a katrina guest a so did melissa caleb guest bong hits thanks caleb <laughs> allison guest a uh meryl is going for a and c meryl likes to hedge her bets and put a couple guesses out there hi meryl uh one guest for b and let's see and katie guest for a flower Nice. Or all of the above. Good one. All right. Well, Haley, Lana, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to go with pre-rolls just because that's my consumption method. But yeah, I, uh, I want to say A too. I want to say A. Mm -hmm. All right. Should, should, we, should we show the answer? Charlene, yes, A too. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Why am I nervous? I, you. I know I'm nervous too. 
The answer is B, gummies. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, we definitely have people who will be consuming across the board, but there's a yeah. slight increase in the likelihood compared to the national average with gummies and people who have artistic hobbies. Cool. I guess that's like, if you're indoors, it's probably better. Yeah. It's more either about smoking or it's more about discretion. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, yeah. I'm very biased. I bet the answer would be different if it was people who are professional artists. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these yeah. are specifically hobbyist artists who may yeah, totally their day job. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So oh yeah, maybe they're from smoking. That's a good comment. That's right. Do they have their own studio? That's that's really yeah. the real question. <laughs> Big question. You need your hands. Yeah, true. That's it, right? Good job, Andrew. We want to thank Brightfield again. I know Adriana called that out, but uh, we want to thank uh, Brightfield and uh, Bethany Gomez and Claire Kaufman for helping us with these. They're super helpful and gives us insight into lots of information in terms of uh, what's really happening uh, in the cannabis space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious, you know, Haley, how does the role of, of branding and visual identity, you know, really work in the cannabis space and, and how can it change? And I, I know we've been talking ar around that, you know, like all of a sudden we've up leveled these things so you can put them on a coffee table and feel okay about it. But um, is there more to it than just up leveling and trying to make things more sophisticated? Yeah, definitely. I think I touched on this a little bit before, but I think one of the main goals of of branding and you know really um really coming up with your cohesive um brand identity is to communicate with your audience like that's the whole point of it is to be able to give um your consumers a very easy way to understand what they are getting from your brand. Obviously, we work a lot in merchandise and we always have this conversation with people when they're trying to produce merchandise, whether it's for butt tenders or for consumers, where they're like, I want to produce the cheapest t-shirt possible. <laughs> and we have to remind people that branding is your touch point. It's the, it's the time when your customer gets to have a one-on-one -on -one experience with your brand. And especially in the cannabis space where people have a very hard time knowing how to judge uh, brands and what the quality is or where it kind of sits on the hierarchy of good, better, best. If you give out something that is extremely poor quality and gives that initial reaction to people of being, um, a throwaway good, you're then connecting that experience with your brand and with your flower. And so people will naturally have the attitude that if you're willing to make cheap goods elsewhere, you're also willing to make cheap goods with the flower that you're putting out. So I think a lot of the time people don't want to put the uh, time and effort into the branding, the, the uh, identity through packaging or merchandise or any of these other ancillary touch points because it feels like maybe that's not as important as the, the final good you know, whether that's pre-rolls or gummies or whatever, but it is the good that has the most, um, that consumers can judge the easiest because they felt it and seen it and had experiences it, with it before. So in the same way that when somebody goes into the grocery store and they can see 
a bunch of different things on the shelf and they're able to get an idea of what the brand is telling them through the visual identity, it's the same thing in cannabis. Like you want to be able to connect with your consumer and let them know who you are, what your product is like. And branding is really the first way that you're ever going to do that. You know, you, you make a really great point. I had a client in the cannabis space who was focused on the budget and we were creating an event and I kept on saying, let's focus on the experience first and, and then we'll back into the budget. We'll try to make it for as cheap as we can. But if we start off with let's make the cheapest event, like yeah. Yeah. T-shirt, the mindset is there only to create a crappy t-shirt or a crappy event. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we see it all the time where people create things that like almost immediately are in the trash or like stomped over on the hall of a trade show. And it's like hundreds of people are walking by and seeing your product stomped over on the trade show floor because no one cared about it. And you might not think that that has a like a conscious resonance with the consumer, but it definitely does say something about the way people value the brand and the product. And it's, it ends up hurting you in the long run rather than trying to bring it back to something that's really, that feels really connected to your brand and ensuring that you're, you're offering out something that people can start to like have a good experience with and feel, um, feel some sort of connection instead of feeling like whatever, it's a throwaway good. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done. That reminds me of, um, Sorry, this is terrible, but when you're saying that, it reminds me of the advertising I often see in men's bathrooms above the urinals. And I often think about the connection between the activity when you see this advertisement versus Mm -hmm. what you take away and what you learn about the brand. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, like, I think that this is, again, like, I'm like, in have been in the weeds of like advertising branding marketing forever so some of this stuff is like seems 101 but the reality is we say this all the time with clients too like everything matters like i think that there's a sense that there are pieces that you can have throw away but you know from the tone and language you're using on your socials the way that you express your brand in physical merchandise the way that your events are like every single thing whether you think so or not like it doesn't really matter because it's happening like people are taking something away from it and they're having a perception of the brand whether you want them whether it's what you want it to be or not so i think it is really important to even hold on things that you're not fully aren't fully like blushed out or they they don't have the full you know you have to you have to pare it down to 30 percent of what it should have been or something because they will have a much more lasting impact than i think people think Mm -hmm. yeah agree and i want to call out something that andrew commented i think a lot can be taken from the cosmetic industry brands build value and value brings people back to you do you, do you agree with that about the cosmetic industry? Yeah, I think that people forget that you, again, you're selling a story and a lifestyle. You're not selling a product. Like if you don't add value to a consumer, they are not going to buy your products. Like you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're adding value always in utility. Like you could, the beauty industry, there's there's a thousand brands of lipstick. So why are we choosing a different lipstick? Like, why am I buying this brand? Because we buy for all different motivators, price, style, look, all of these things, right? Endorsements, everything is about the value 
the peer signaling, the lifestyle and, and impression of what that says that you have that product. And it's really, that's why, again, that through line of everything matters because you are telling a narrative at every point of your brand. And I think the beauty industry is like, it, it shouldn't exist like that. There shouldn't be able to be that many of the exact same product in the exact <laughs> same store and everyone have a market share. So it's, it's a perfect example of why branding and and um, that storytelling and creating those touch points and, and having a meaningful connection to your audience works because otherwise there'd be one lipstick brand and we'd all go buy that lipstick. You know what I mean? It just, right. you know, and, and why packaging is so important too. And, yeah. and on that topic, I want to read off a quote that I took down um, from Lana. You wrote, I think this was an entrepreneur. We wanted to be a brand that existed in a genderless space. Any woman who's running a brand, all of a sudden it's a brand for women. Our decision in updating the brand was to make sure that we weren't creating guardrails for our opportunity to grow because of how we would be defined. I love this quote, partly because, and David will tell you, I, I'm always like, when we're having conversations with women who are, you know, own businesses, started companies or founders, uh, it sort of sometimes veers into conversations about gender. And it's not always really worthwhile to talk about it because it's like, we should be talking about all these things that she's built, not that she built things because she's a woman. Yeah. So I really resonated with this quote and I, I wanted to sort of like tie it to this question about collaborating with um, with Playboy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so adding context to that quote, we did a rebrand like less than a year into after we launched. And that was because like you're saying, women, there's a specific um, kind of box that women are put in. And for us, as soon as we launched, we had a much like cleaner aesthetic, I would say. And we were immediately put into a wellness category and we were immediately defined as a brand for women. So when we see the world, we see ourselves as a design brand and we don't see it as a gendered issue. We design products that mm -hmm. if you, if they meet your aesthetic and they meet your, you know, who we are, the story we're telling meets your ethos, we want you to you know, be a part of the brand and buy the products and kind of exist in this community we're creating. And so it's something that for us, like from the conception of the brand, like we did that really, really quickly because we wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to be outspoken about as women about the choices that we're making in our lives. And that was with regards to cannabis use. So I think women are tasked very often with being um, you know, subdued and, and any of their choices, whether it's around sex or cannabis or any of these things that women have typically kind of had to be in this puritanical role, like we don't do that. I think it's something that our brand, the ethos of Sackville is that we are proud of the choices we're making, the autonomy that we have to make them. And we're creating products that allow us to exist kind of without that shame. And you can have them out and feel very proud and elegant and all of the things that all of those stereotypes that exist for women in cannabis, that those would be kind of set aside with with the way that we're participating with the brand and products. And so the collaboration with Playboy was really, you know, their ethos, they've is um, they've been advocating for cannabis, LGBTQ rights, civil rights, all this stuff from the conception of Playboy. And they cannabis specifically, they've been advocating and giving a lot of money to and supporting um, legalization since the 70s. And it's something that, you know, that ethos of we're both brands that are, are 
trying to be outspoken about the rights and autonomy of women and for our ability to make our own choices about the way that we're perceived. And that's something that was a really, like we met Playboy, we were able to design for them through Sackville Studios, our private label um, company. And then after just really understanding their ethos in more depth and ours and getting to know each other, it was just such a clear connection on what we're trying to do and trying to give, um, you know, women the opportunity to own their image, own their choices and, and do it without pride or with pride and without shame. So that's, that's where that came from. And we feel really, you know, it was something that we are really proud of because I think there's still so much progress to be made. Like we, with that earlier quote, we're still very much positioned as like a lady brand. And I think that that's just, again, a thing that if you're women and you're making something for some reason, the world, it's like, well, that product's for women as opposed to like, if a man makes a product, it's for everyone. If a woman makes a product, it's for women. And I think there's also kind of that tie to like women, um, you know, really needing to make something that has a, a, a purpose again to like solve a problem for women. So I think that, yeah, we feel really proud about that one. Nice. Yeah. That's super cool. Is there, um, Haley, are there any, you know, any emerging trends or, or any things you see across um, the industry, across the companies you help and support? Are there any things that you could sort of call out? You know, yeah, I think the most exciting thing, it kind of leads very naturally onto what Lana just said there about um, different perspectives. So I think one of the really cool trends that's coming out now is that more people are being outward about uh, consuming cannabis, which means more brands are coming to the table that are offering a different perspective of how they engage with cannabis in their lives. So again, whether that is for wellness or for the joy of smoking a joint or whether that's mothers or whether that's, you know, women in their sixties on park Avenue, there's different perspectives coming to the table. And because of that, because of that openness and that breakdown of stigma, we're seeing so many more brands have to push themselves to actually reflect what people are wanting more. So we're seeing more things come to the table that we haven't before. Like I think some of the edible brands that are coming out right now are amazing because they really, um, instead of everything just being about like making weed brownies, there's some really cool stuff that's coming out, whether it's like hot sauces or different salt mixes or, and it shows you that there are different ways that people want to engage in cannabis use and different ways that they want to have fun with it. And I think that the brands that are really coming out and like staking a claim in a, in a new um, representation is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of perspectives, and that was very well explained, Haley. Thank you for sharing your perspectives with us. This has been a really cool, fun conversation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's been great to chat through all this stuff. (laughs) It's important. It really is important, I think, for other perspectives to come into the industry. You know, people from media, people from design coming together to offer the industry more. And and again, to normalize it. That's that's what we're here to do. Um, and it's still like it's a baby industry still like there's so much space and opportunity yeah. to have a share of that voice and and what your perspective is so it's exciting we're just getting started absolutely yes. Haley, lana thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it and we wish you the best of luck keep keep doing what you're doing because we see it and we appreciate it 
Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. As always, right? You know, um, we have great people that join us and great people that, that listen. I should also point out, I'm guessing Andrew Martin in the audience is the Drew Martin that we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, we have great guests. We have great people. Uh, speaking of which, I can't believe next Thursday is June 1st. I cannot believe we're already up here uh, at June 1st, which is just absolutely crazy. Our show next week um, is with Carrie Radistock, and we're going to be talking. She is the CEO of Hippo Premium Packaging, and we are going to be talking about um, cannabis and sustainable packaging and some new innovations in the industry um, and how, again, we can normalize and, and change things and bring things from out of the industry into the industry because that's what we like to do, right? Yeah. The, the crossover. That's the right. era of the crossover is here, and I'm so pumped up for it. That's right. We, we, we joke about it. We call it the cannabis crossover. And uh, it really is, you know, the, the melding of the real world with the cannabis world and, and a little bit of bursting the cannabis bubble, and bringing some outsiders in uh, so we can learn more about it and bringing the insiders to the table as well so they can share with the outsiders what the outsiders don't know. And we could really have, you know, the, the best of both worlds. And I think that's what it's all about. Best practices, best conversations. Yeah, exactly. And thank you, Allison. I'm so glad that you found this inspiring today. And thank you, Katrina. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Thank you. And don't forget, check out Cannabis's Best Kept Secret at brandingbud.com. We'll see you next week, June 1st. Until then, have a great week and a great holiday. Bye. Bye-bye.